ever felt stuck on your path to navigating the healthcare industry and creating the ultimate solution that you know is the one that can impact millions? Entrepreneurs, listen up. Your journey to navigate the healthcare innovation maze just got a lot more cleaner. In today's episode, we interview an industry leader, Adam Tarunas, as he explores the six golden nuggets on how do you create a true roadmap to success. We begin with the triad of successful foundation. Stay tuned. Healthcare entrepreneurs, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating a positive social impact? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. I'm a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Let's open the gateway to profitability for you today. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and startup founders like you break through barriers so you can control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Welcome back to another episode. This is Sabrina Rombach, your host for Provider's Edge. And today we have another exciting guest with us, and we're talking about all things marketing-related to grow your healthcare startup. And Adam is a long-time technology marketing leader and entrepreneur. And he spent two decades marketing for Dell, IBM, Bank of America, and dozens of other major marketers. In 2012, he founded and grown and eventually sold a healthcare technology software business and then created Health Lunch Pack a leading health tech marketing firm that is teaching clients how to use A and B. And he's also an author of the best-selling book, Total Customer Growth. So can't wait to have this conversation with you, Adam. Thank you for having me on. So, such a pleasure. Yes, we got connected actually through a mutual uh, referral and also someone who um, I really loved leveraging LinkedIn to really grow your audience and making the right connections. So it was just serendipity of how everything lines up. I think in life, sometimes that is the way is sometimes the right talents and right skill has to be in your corner when the right synchronicity and energy is there. But we also needed to be proactive making those reach. So I'm grateful that you're here with us. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about your journey. I know you work with some of the major brands and companies. How did it all formulate to healthcare and then also so niched into growing from the marketing side? Right. So let me start with, you know, how I became a health tech entrepreneur, which is an accident, frankly. Uh, so I'd, uh, I'd spent about 20-something years in the uh, marketing space uh, working for major global uh, advertising and digital agencies. Um, and then I, I took a break from that. And um, I was doing some consulting, advising companies on how to improve their internal communications. And a friend of mine, uh, who's a physician, um, I don't have a medical background. Uh, so I, you know, I, I really 
have no medical training at all. I do have a, bizarrely, I do have a degree in physiology, but I've never used it. Uh, so a friend of mine who's uh, a physician, uh, he's a sailing buddy. Uh, I've started six businesses and half of those businesses were actually started through sailing friends, bizarrely. Um, and so this sailing friend of mine, uh, who's a physician, was really intrigued by what we were doing to help these companies improve the communications with their vendors uh, and uh, or, or how the vendors improve their communications with their clients. And he said, you know, I really think there's a need for it in healthcare. There's, there's a, a big problem that healthcare systems have, particularly in terms of the relationship and the communications that they have with their medical staff at large, particularly independent practices. And so we started talking to um, some healthcare organizations about this. And I, I, when we went to our first meeting, I walked in, we walked into this hospital in New Jersey and I realized, you know, I hadn't actually been in a hospital in 20 years and that was for the birth of my son. And so I, for me, it was you know, having no background in healthcare it was like entering a parallel universe. I didn't know that the language was unfamiliar to me. The business was unfamiliar to me. The whole way that these organizations operate, you know, the, the economic model of, of healthcare, completely alien. It, and it took me a long time to understand it. But thanks to my friend and who then became a business partner, the physician, I, I learned from him. And it was actually quite a good relationship. It was sort of, I think a lot of, uh, organizations in healthcare, this notion of a dyad. And so the dyad was, he was a, a very accomplished uh, physician, uh, had a, a very successful physician practice, medical practice. Um, and it also actually had been a, had taken a detour himself and become a healthcare lawyer. And so really, you know, really understood the, the inner workings of healthcare. So I learned from him every day. I mean, it was it just, and it took me about a year to be, feel confident in it. But thanks to him, I really began to understood it. Equally, he didn't really have much experience in uh, running a business. I mean, a medical practice is a business, but running a particularly running a particular a startup, a tech startup, which is what it, what it became. And I'll explain that in a minute. And didn't have any experience in marketing and sales. And he was like a sponge. It was you know, I was very lucky in that. You know, my partner, uh, you know, I'd, I'd explain certain things to him, how sales processes work, how to use LinkedIn. He would just like get right on it. And, um, you know, I was very, I, honestly, I think he was, he became like one of the best salespeople I've ever worked with, almost too good. Sometimes it was sort of like he would oversell what we were, what we were doing, but really effective and, you know, very fortunate that relationship, you know, underpinned the business. So we were doing some consulting. We were working with several hospitals in the Northeast. And then um, about six months into the consulting, we were coming back together from a conference and we were driving in the same car and, and chatting. And we said, you know, I sort of feel like I wish there was an app for what we were doing, which is improving communications. And we started brainstorming what this app would look like. It would have a module that would do you know, messaging. It would have a module that would be communications from the management. It would maybe have their call schedules, um, all sorts of different ideas that we felt that this app could, could do. And we thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. Maybe we should pitch it. And so we 
came up with a, we, we, did, we, we got a designer to mock, mock up what the application would look like. And we, we went to see one of our clients, uh, a guy by the name of Joe Scott, who was then uh, the uh, CEO of Jersey City Medical Center. Uh, and eventually he became the chief transformation officer of RWJ Barnabas. Um, and Joe uh, heard our pitch. And at the end of it, he said, you build that, I'll buy it. And so it was like, okay, that lit the fuse, basically. So we went and hired some developers um, and ha- developed uh, a minimum, an MVP, a minimum viable product, which was based on secure messaging, secure texting. And so we uh, we then tested that with at, with his uh, medical staff in his emergency room, and um, they loved it. In fact, at the end of the pilot, we said, "Look, we've got to we've actually got to shut the pilot down." because we're going to relaunch the application with making some modifications. We couldn't take it off them. They didn't want, they said that we don't want to give this up. Um, and um, so we launched the business. And uh, the business initially was known as Practice Unite. And um, the, the staff at the, at the healthcare system were actually very helpful. The leadership was very helpful in advising us and how to position and how to market it to them. And uh, over the next year, we uh, we sold it into about half a dozen other healthcare systems in the Northeast. Uh, when we started, we decided we would only focus on selling to organizations we felt we could drive to and service personally, because we felt it was just so important that in up with our first customers that you know we had a hundred percent satisfaction rating, um, and um, and and that was successful. And then. Um, we uh, we we took on a reseller. Uh, the CEO, of the reseller, became a big fan of ours, and he then became our our first investor. Um, and he then brought in a small uh, syndicate of other investors, which gave us a, sort of an initial angel round of investment. Um, about and, and and so that sort of got so that over the first three two or three years. We started to really scale up the company. We had a chief technology officer who happened to be another sailing buddy, actually. Uh, fan- brilliant, brilliant technologist, um, just a fantastic developer, but also just a really good strategic technologist. It's a perfect CTO for us. Um, and we brought on a head of product development, a customer success person, and, uh, and half a dozen uh, developers. And so things were really starting to grow. We got some very positive public relations. We were developing a good sort of social media presence. Uh, traffic was building to the website. And things were really going well. The problem was that we were running out of cash. And I could see a cliff where we were going to basically, we, it was a, you know, a, an existential crisis. Actually, a, a friend of mine who's a serial entrepreneur said, you know, he said in his experience, you know, the secret of success in startups is you you limp from one near-death experience to another until you're eventually successful. And it certainly felt like that. And so we'd been talking to investors, um, to venture capitalists, and um, the problem was that the market that we were in exploded. And so when we started, there were probably about five to 10 other companies doing what we were doing, which we already thought was a little too, there were too many people out there doing it. 
the problem was is the barrier to entry to developing these communications applications was pretty low. And so within, uh, within about two years, there were over 100 companies doing what we were doing. And so the VCs essentially said, look, you know, we've already placed bets. You know, uh, a company called Tiger Connect, which raised a lot of money, um, and some other companies beat us basically to the VCs. And um, we just couldn't get the VCs to bite. Um, and it was getting pretty desperate. Um, and then what happened was that we were uh, we we worked quite closely with some of the market analysts like Gartner and Class. And uh, our lead analyst from from Gartner actually said, "You know, I know an, another company that sort of competes with you, but is sort of complementary, and I think they'd be a good fit." And so he introduced us, and we put the two companies together. And so we actually, that's when we changed from being Practice Unite to becoming Unify Health. And um, that, that um, transaction enabled us to um, raise a lot more money. Uh, so we did, a, we, we did a proper seed round. I mean, it's all, it, was, it ended up being about $4 million. Um, you know, I, I took over as the CEO of the company. Uh, and when we took on their staff, and combine the we effectively we thought we were going to combine the applications and in the end we just ended up sort of rebuilding it. Um, we continued to add customers, um, but to be frank, most of our growth um, over the next couple of years actually came from existing customers because the existing customers we had, you know, for the 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 practice unite customers that we sold and ones we sold after the merger. We never lost a single customer, and we had um, you know very high level of satisfaction. Um, I think it was like a seven seven and a half on a net promoter score. And um, uh, so each customer would add you know add users. So for example, we sold it into the clinically integrated network of Catholic Health Systems of Long Island. And they, the CIO said, you know, I want to expand it system-wide. So that expanded us across six hospitals. And um, they would also add features and functions. So there was, you know, the, the thing that was unique about it was the ability to customize it and to add features and to integrate it. So we, we were very successful, actually, in growing it. Growing it. We, we struggled, though, um, with adding new customers in the last couple of years because the market had um, that sort of taken a step change in terms of what the expectations were in terms of features and functions. And the other thing that was happening was market consolidation. So a lot of the guys, you know, the hundred people just disappeared. They went out of business. Um, and then a lot, and then many of them actually then got acquired or put together particularly by private equity or some of the incumbents in the market like Vocera or Perfect Serve. And we, we got to a point where it was pretty clear that, you know, if we were to be successful, we were going to go out and need to rate, do a big raise, like about $20 million. And it was quite clear that we were not going to be successful in, in doing that. And so we, the board essentially decided it was time to, time to sell. And so we went through a process. We hired an investment banker, which is a fascinating process. It's stressful, but fascinating. And we solicited, uh, did anonymous solicitations of potential buyers to, I think a list was about 80 potential companies. 
Um, we got interest from about 15, um, received bids from, I think, four of them. And um, in the end, accepted to be acquired by um, a company called Harris Healthcare, which is quite a large. They, they For example, they recently uh, bought uh, the EHR components of Allscripts. And they, they, uh, they, they're an acquisition machine. Um, and so that ended the journey. Um, and I, I spent about six months doing a transition and then I took a break. As you so deserve to. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I needed it too. I was feeling, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I've, I've started six businesses. Um, I've also worked in some pretty high powered organizations, some of them very difficult companies, some of them quite political. Um, and I would say that without a shadow of a doubt, that those seven years of launching a startup, going through the transitions that we went through, bootstrapping it, self-funding it, right? So, I mean, we were paying checks. We were paying for our staff out of our savings. You know, I, I sold my house and, you know, we moved into a, a small rental house so that we, you know, we just cut our costs back. Um, and, um, you know, I'd say that the first three or four years were the most exciting time I've ever had in my career. And I would say the last three years were the toughest I've ever had in my career. It was really difficult. I think those are a really good point for people to pick up is that like sometimes when we get into these new ventures, it's the excitement. And then we're willing to put in that extra work, the extra help just to get going. Yep. But once things hit really tough time, especially I even wanted to summarize from that story, there's so many learning points for everybody who's listening to what you guys did. You started by simply validating that idea, have someone who truly believe in you guys. So now you know it is impactful, right? Because when we think about truly how I believe uh, a top of any business is a triad. You have the innovators, right? Great idea out there, but sometimes the two out there, you don't even know if it's impactful or not. So you need someone who's in that top executive triad to say, hey, this actually can be something people are willing to buy. People can create results. And then you need a third leg to say, how do I actually make things happen, right, into the detailed process? So when you have those triad that work so synchronistically together, and you guys found that person, you guys found the person who said, actually, I'll buy it. I see what you guys are doing. And then you move to that process and making a pilot, a minimal viable product, and you keep going. And then also with that transition of able to build something, another key thing you guys did is leveraging that high-level business partnership. Who do you know? Who do you already have that human connection and trust? And for that person to help you expand the network and helping for other people to open up also their wallet to help you guys in this amazing, exciting journey. And once you guys start noticing things are well, wobbly, because everybody else start coming up with the similar things. It's not just get discouraged, but reshifting. How do you then create better strategy? Go back to market research, right? Which sometimes people forget to do. And even people that I talk with these uh, founders, I will be like, did you not know? I can probably name at least three other competitors or they perhaps are not your competitor, but because they're doing similar thing, you should at least know what they're talking about to make yourself more unique, right? So this amazing journey that you guys, 
going on. I think that's what people need to realize is we constantly have to make the shift, but go back to your human connection, go back to that partnership. And then once it becomes something more noticeable, then you took on that really great PR, right? Then amplify everything and then start snowballing. Yes, I I think, you know, one of the, most important lessons that I got out of this is that particularly in healthcare, healthcare is so huge. You know, healthcare is what is it? over $4 trillion in the US, which is, you know, bigger than the GDP of most countries. Um, and I think that particularly for somebody like myself, who was coming from outside of healthcare or my, my partner, who was a physician who was coming from outside of business is understanding the importance of picking a niche and I think within healthcare, pick your niche and then pick your niche within the niche. So our niche was clinical communications. And our niche within the niche was we were the only ones that would actually customize the application and white label it so that the, our customers, they were promoting their application, not our application to their, to their medical staff. And what, what vindicated it for us was that when we talked to some of our competitors at a trade show, they said the last thing that they would do ever do was customize. So I said, like, okay, if that's the last thing you're going to do, it's the first thing we're going to do. We know it's hard. If we can figure out how to do that, we create some uh, a moat. And that actually became our, you know, our, our, our unique positioning in the market. And it's that thing of zigging where you zag. We tried lots of other things. You know, we tried, uh, we developed a, a solution for home care. We just couldn't get enough traction with it. The, the market wasn't ready for it. We developed a patient application. And again, we were too early with that one. And so one of the, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that the biggest, you know, the biggest factor in terms of the success of a startup is market timing. And the part of the problem was we were a little late for our clinical communication space. We could have caught up if we'd raised more money, but we didn't. Um, and we were a little early in when we in when we tried to sort of get try some alternative uh, alternative solutions. Um, so it was very important. And I, I basically carried that lesson forward into what I'm now doing. So I think I mentioned to you, right? So I've started a new business. It's actually now three and a half years ago, so it's not that new, called Health Launchpad. And what Health Launchpad does is we provide business-to-business and account-based marketing, ABM, for healthcare uh, companies selling into healthcare, so primarily technology companies. And when I started the business, I, um, you know, I, I kind of had a, a much broader offering that I was thinking about. And then when I talked to prospective clients, what they said is, "Look, you know, the one thing that we really would engage you for is on your expertise in selling into the healthcare market and your business-to-business knowledge." So focus on that. Don't do the other things. So I, I kind of scaled back. And I had an sort of a kind of an initial thing, which is, well, why would I focus on such a narrow niche? And then I thought about it and thought, you know, if you walk around the HIMS trade show, the big annual HIMS Global Conference, you see so many different vendors, like thousands, you know, this is well over a thousand vendors. Um, and that's just, that's not even the full market. And I thought, you know, if I got 1% of this market, I'd have a very successful business. So I said, I'm going to place a bet on health tech. And that's what I've done. And by doing that, you know, it's, it's enabled me to um, leverage what I learned for the last decade, 
with it with my health tech startup, but then also learn leverage what I did beforehand. And I I, I kind of you know I, uh, there's always a a particular passion which is drives what I'm doing, and my uh, my recent passion is about account based marketing. Um, and account-based marketing is something which I wasn't, frankly, although I've been in marketing for a long time, I wasn't that familiar with. And it's an idea that's been around for about 10, 15 years. And I thought, you know, I wish I'd had that, um, was doing it when I had my business. But I actually realized that actually early on, we were doing account-based marketing and we were successful with it. When we, after, when we did the merger, I... I, you know, lost my. I, I stopped focusing on marketing, and so, I had a lot of operational issues to deal with um, that were very distracting. And um, the other members of the, the the team wanted to focus on most CEO led marketing, which basically meant we would spend a lot of money on very expensive events and associations, which would make CEO to CEO connections. Well, the problem was is that. CEO had had no real impact on our on buying our solutions. They might make an introduction, but after that, it was like it's down to you. And so it's like it wasn't a scalable model. It was very expensive, and it was completely ineffective for us. And so you know that that was very frustrating to me. And so the more I learned about account based marketing, um, the more I realized that there's a real opportunity here, and that that there's not. Not many companies do it well in healthcare, and there's a desire to do it. So I'll just explain what the principles are of account-based marketing. So it's it's particularly relevant if you're selling uh, something which involves a complex sale that has long sales cycles, lots of people involved in the in the buying process. A lot, what's called a lot, a buyer collective, um, and um, and it's a high ticket item. So if it's below $50,000 and it's a shorter sales cycle than 90 days, ABM is not for you. But if you're selling like a complex solution and that most of them, frankly, are in healthcare, ABM is, is I think, the way to go. And the basic, the way it starts is you select the accounts that you want to focus on. So it's not casting a net, it's spear phishing, being really precise and that means that, you know, there may be, so there are 6,000 hospitals, probably 1,500 healthcare organizations. So you're not marketing to all of them. You might market to, let's say, 150 of them. And then it's developing a very clear strategy that's based on how those companies buy. Um, and there are some other, some cool technique tools that you can use, which are related to ABM. One of them is called intent data. So intent data is almost like magic. It can, I tell you, if a company happens to be in market for what you do. So let's say you're selling a patient engagement solution. You can see which healthcare systems have the highest interest in patient engagement or some of the more nuanced things like patient communications. And you can then say, okay, I'm not going to market to the you know, 1,500 healthcare systems. I'm only going to market to the 100 that seem to be really in market, really interested in that particular topic. And you develop campaigns around getting specifically to them. And um, so, you know, Health Launchpad is essentially, you know, the, the ABM agency for healthcare. 
um, I've got so interested in it, so passionate about it that I wrote a book on it. Um, and I, the reason I wrote a book on it is I felt, you know, I kind of learned by doing, and I felt that by, you know, we're learning a lot by doing the work, but I felt like I actually, if I wrote the book, I would, you know, solidify and cement the process that we, that we do. So the book is called Total Customer Growth. Um, this is actually the proof copy of it. Um, and, um, it's essentially, it's like, if you're thinking about account-based marketing, it's a how-to. So it goes through the, you know, how you actually set yourself up, you know, how you develop what's called buyer journeys, which help you kind of think about the way that companies buy, um, what technologies you can use. Um, you know, there are some very expensive ABM platforms out there, but there's some lower cost ways of doing it. And then how to actually make, turn your organization into an, into an ABM driven organization. The, 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 one of the nuances, though, is, um, and that we go into with total customer growth is, it's it's just about it's just as much about how you grow your existing customers as how you acquire new customers, and that was something that you know, as I mentioned, it's sort of like we spent the first half of of our startup focused on new customers, and the second half of our startup keeping and growing what we had, and we we were, I think we. Were, we were very successful. I think particularly successful actually with the latter. Um, and um, yeah, and so, you know, I, I'm excited with what we're doing and we've, we've launched a website called totalcustomergrowth.com, which is about the book. Um, and then the other website for the, for the core business is healthlaunchpad.com. And we do, you know, we, we, we'll do account-based marketing as a service for customers, for our clients. And so, uh, you know, three years in the business, we've now, uh, we've, just signed a 27th deal um and um you know with more and the deals are you know the relationships are getting bigger and we're working with bigger and bigger companies um and uh, in addition to doing consulting and agency services we also do training and coaching so we do that do that as well and uh, it's exciting I'm, ha- I'm having more fun frankly with this startup than any of the other ones <laughs> So so far, touch with there's you know fewer headaches than I than I have with the, the startup software startup. Yeah, and definitely um, myself can relate in a sense of when you have that um, teaching moment and seeing people flourish, it get you even more excited about what we're doing. And it's not just when we're building our own company. There's a lot of struggles. Yes, you can bounce off with your co-founders, with other board teams, but it's not the same as now I have this knowledge. I know what to do. I can share with other people. And then seeing other people being successful and make you feel the impact has grown so much bigger. And so I definitely a very exciting moment for you guys. And uh, for sure, for people who are truly connected with a larger organization with these higher ticket items. I think the confusion for many people is, oh, well, we can go for the smaller organization and we can also go for a hospital. And then they feel like they're doing everything at the same time. So they really are stretching themselves thin. They don't have enough resource, right? To do both. They really should pick one channel that's the best because then the client journey, the success path, it's different from a smaller organization versus this big one. Very and if you have to create two client paths, then you need a two leads for each of the client paths. 
And it just so much to manage um, when just, people are I mean, building. They're also, you know, it's fundamentally different um, sales and marketing strategies. So for smaller, you know, for, uh, you know, for smaller, if you're selling to smaller practices, um, you know, something like product-led growth, which is very much like acquisition-driven, you know, using sort of um, low cost low cost per acquisition, you know, almost, you know, it's, you're using, you know, Google, using Facebook ads, that kind of thing to acquire customers at the lowest possible cost. You, you put, you know, minimum friction, you make it so that people can self-serve. That's one business model. The other business model is the complex sale, which involves salespeople and involves, you know, it, it's really hard. You're very, you, as a startup, you can't do both. You've got to pick one. Um, and, you know, the challenge is that, you know, the, the, you know, with the, the first model, the smaller model, um, you, you get lower revenue per customer. So you're very much driven by customer acquisition with the, the, the other, with the, with the ABM model, you get much bigger revenue per customer, but it takes a long time to get to revenue. And so you better have the wherewithal to outlast those sales cycles because they will kill you. That certainly was the, was our biggest challenge was that sales cycles were forever. And that, one of the things our board kept hammering us is like, well, can't you speed it up? And it's like, the answer was no, actually you can't. And they would never accept that answer. But that was the reality is it's like, you, you know, you can't do much. You can do, you know, you can do, you can tweak things a bit, maybe shorten it by 10%, maybe 15%, but you're never going to cut it in half. Exactly. It's because as you're emphasizing, you have to meet people where their interests are. So if you are spreading too big a net, it, you actually don't know what their primary interests. And then once you localize that primary interest, they're already gung-ho about it. And then you can create that alignment with them to say, how do I now serve you? And let's have the conversation with your internal team. And those conversations does take time for people to schedule meeting, right? Waiting for their whole board of people and even understanding who's actually in charge where you're just talking from the front person and eventually getting to some right people, right? Yeah, it does take time. And sometimes from the entrepreneurial side is we always feel like it needed to be like snap your finger and then we should be getting somewhere already, right? Like yeah. <laughs> tomorrow should be a new it day. It doesn't work like that, especially not in healthcare. Right, exactly. And and then also for all of the really thinkers, the leaders have to retrain your brain to say, it's not just be patient, but it's be intentional with your movements and then readjust and knowing those time is meant to be there. And those time need to be filled with other intentional productive work and not just feel the anxiety or the disappointment that you had in moving through this process as how it's supposed to be. Right, right. And I'm excited. This is a great conversation. I know we can talk about even much longer, yeah. um, but I know uh, people, especially people in building and reaching out larger organizations will love to talk to you. And how can they find you? Best is so go to the total customer versus Launchpad. As a, you can go to healthlaunchpad.com, uh, healthlaunchpad.com, or email me at adam at healthlaunchpad.com. 
And tell us, I know you're also very uh, specific in what type of startup and company that you work with. So give yeah. us a more a breakdown. We, we typically don't work with uh, early stage companies. We, we used to do that. We just can't afford to, um, you know, because they need have, uh, they, they understand we have a lot of need, but um, we really can't afford to do that. And so, you know, we're, we're, we, we're working with companies that are doing at least $5 million a year in revenue. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's, uh, there's, there's a kind of a minimum threshold, but, um, you know, check out the website. Um, you know, we, we're, we're thinking about doing some online training courses. And so there may be some things that, uh, if you're early stage that might be available and there's loads of resources on the website and, you know, you can buy the book, so you can get the book on amazon.com and, um, you know, that, I, that certainly help you. Exactly. And then Adam also have his own podcast if you like to check out. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I've got a, thank you very much for bringing that up, Sabrina. Yes, I've got a podcast that I do with HIMS. It's called the Health Tech Marketing Podcast. So you can find it on, on in any, of the, uh, your, any of the podcast apps. And it's called Health Tech Marketing Podcast. Perfect. Lots of resources. You know where to find us. There's plenty of people. When you find the right people, we can always help you to grow. Um, and now it's also about looking into opportunities as what it is and uh, deci- be decisive for what's to come for you guys. So thank you for being here, uh, for spending the time. And we're looking forward to see you next week. Thank you for toning into Providers Edge podcast. We hope you enjoy our latest episode and found the insights and tips helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and learn what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. So please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and let us know what you think. Your feedback is essential to help us improve the show and provide you with the content you need to take your healthcare business to the next level. Thank you for your support and we look forward to hearing from you soon.